Welcome to the Rebel Physician Podcast, where we are creating a path for physicians to break free from the toxic medical system to create an enjoyable and a sustainable career in medicine. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo, push boundaries, and seek to create a better healthcare system for all. This week, I have an amazing guest on the podcast. It's Dr. Amy Vertries. She is a board-certified general surgeon, Army veteran, certified coach, author, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. She served 17 years in the Army, reaching the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, and deploying three times to Afghanistan and Iraq as a general surgeon. After leaving the military, she was employed surgeon that created Columbia Surgical Partners, which is a private practice general surgery group. She discovered there were lessons that she was never taught in residency that were necessary for a successful surgical career. And from that, the Boss Business of Surgery series was born. She teaches everything that she has learned to become a successful private practice general surgeon. The Boss series includes a highly rated podcast, group coaching, and one-on-one coaching, and the book Become the Boss MD, Success Beyond Residency. We have a wonderful conversation where she shares many of these tips, and I really think you're going to love hearing her story. Enjoy. Amy, I'm so glad to have you here. We just finished up recording on your podcast and I want everyone to check out that link. So I'm definitely add a link to that. So we can, when I, when that happens later on in the month, we'll, I'll send people over to your podcast, the boss podcast. So let's just jump right in. I can't wait to hear all about your rebel physician journey and what that has looked like for you. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks so much for uh, allowing me to come on. I mean, we were just talking about this and you and I both did what seemed very illogical on paper. Yes. (laughs) Looking in the retrospectoscope, it made perfect sense when we look at at all the things going on. But Mm -hmm. so um, I was in the army for 17 years and I got out of the army and I went to um, a community hospital where I was a general surgeon and I had my three-year contract and I made some changes. You know, I found out we were not um, getting paid what, what like the typical RVUs that we were pretty low that. So I negotiated this huge raise. And then like a few months later, I just quit. Mm. <laughs> I decided not to renew my contract. And, you know, it was funny because I came home and, and my husband, I remember him saying, he's like, what's okay. Well, sure. Fine. That's all right. Well, I trust you. Um, and it wasn't until I decided not to renew my contract for various reasons that I've, you know, talked about at length, which is essentially, I just, you know, felt like I could stay in that same job. It wasn't a terrible job. I liked my patients. I liked the OR. I liked um, a lot of things, but it was a clinic that I was having the most trouble with. You know, it, it just like when I would go to clinic, I just got like a terrible vibe. And, and I just remember thinking like, I could be doing this for the next 15 years complaining about the same stuff and nothing ever changing. And mm-hmm. so like I looked in the landscape of my future and it was this this mo- this monotonous desert wasteland of the same complaints. And <laughs> there was something in me that said, I feel like this is not my life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I tried to make some changes and I learned a lot about myself in that process of changing. You know, I learned about delegation and, you know, I discovered coaching at the time. This was in 2020. Oh, by the way, there's a pandemic and mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that were going on. And there was something that within me that said, there's just, there's more to life than, than what you're doing right now. And, you know, I've seen this time and time again, I thought it was just me, 
And, you know, in telling people stories um, on the Boss Podcast, uh, I'm starting to see this is actually a very common story. And it, it seems to happen, you know, six, seven years after residency or something like that, where, you know, we've mastered the things, we've done all the things, and, you know, we've kind of settled into a routine in life. And, you know, when we settle into what we've been promised, which is you do all the things, you get all here, and here is the career that you have. And we stop for a minute and say, you know, I don't think this is quite what I want. And, or it was what I wanted before, but it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, that mid-career slump is, I think, um, possible for all of us. It may not happen to everyone, but it certainly happened to me. So at that time, I decided to scrap it all. Why not? And <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> exactly. And exactly. What could possibly go wrong? But, uh, yeah. you know, you and I talked about this too. Like there's that internal drive that we have that goes against logic seemingly at the time. And, you know, so what happened in the last three years is I opened up a private practice and I've learned a lot from that too. So initially I started that private practice with the idea of like, I'm going to have my own autonomy and mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be able to do all these things. And so I built this small private practice, which then kept growing and growing, which created different problems. And so I solved the early problems of overwhelm and I created new problems of, you know, optimizing things and then, you know, created even more problems with, you know, more people. And, you know, as I learned to solve them, I start realizing, you know, these are all the things that we were not taught in residence. And the the boss uh, business of surgery series actually started in 2015 when I was chair of our young surgeons committee in uh, DC, and I wanted to create some value for people to come to meetings. And it was the lessons not taught in residency because I knew then that there were things that weren't taught, like you know interviewing and CVs and you know financial management and all those things. And so. I saw that platform, which was essentially in-person meetings as a way to do that. And, you know, I ended up going my third deployment and leaving the military and stuff. And so it kind of dropped for a little while. But as I started rediscovering that there were gaps in what we were taught in residency, I started going back to this idea of the boss series. And I realized there's a, a whole lot more lessons than just that. You know, there's dealing with difficult partners and how to manage complications and, you know, how to run a clinic and how to motivate people and how to delegate and get what you want. Because our natural go-to is just to do everything for everyone. And that does not work for long-term. You know, we have to figure out how to get people to help us and not do all the things um, and, you know, the boundaries and all the aspects that are necessary for protecting ourselves over time, because we can outwork a lot of problems, but at some point it becomes too much. And so I'm hoping that by catching people earlier, I, my book came out last um, last week, Become the Boss MD, Success Beyond Residency. And, you know, it's definitely a, a message that I can tell is resonating. We reached number one in physicians on Amazon and it became an Amazon bestseller in three categories yeah, for a period of time. Yeah, which is, I mean, who knew? I mean, my goal in doing this was just to put all my thoughts on paper and pull it together and hopefully someone will benefit from it. And to to hear people, like hear the message resonating, it just showed me how much we need to know these things. Like mm-hmm. how many of us are, are discovering we cannot outwork our problems. And, you know, how many of us we've tried to outwork our problems, but they're too much. And we don't even know where to start to solve the problems. And so I was hoping that providing a framework of basic lessons that it would be helpful. 
And the book is follows this uh, a physician named Julia um, through her career progressions. Starts when she starts, you know, doing interviews and trying to figure out what job to find. And then it takes her through the early stages of her career, then mid-career, and then you know, transitioning out. And I'm hoping that it's not like a book. I don't think that you necessarily have to sit and read cover to cover. You know, things are going to stand out to you at different times in your career. And so what I wanted to do was to create um, a landscape that showed, you know, what a, a career path might be to help the person who is hitting these bumps along the road and provides them some way of finding a solution to their problem. And a lot of this is based on uh, podcast interviews that I've done. And so at the end of each chapter, there's some exercises, but there's also episodes to refer back to on mm-hmm. these lessons that, you know, people that contributed to these lessons. This sounds like something that should be uh, like required reading in medical school at the, like when you graduate or start off, like the, here, take this book and then figure out, figure things out. Yeah, honestly, I think that it sounds like you're 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 filling in a huge gap for for physicians, right? And I'm a hope that um, it spurs a lot more. You know, I don't expect everyone to actually agree with everything that I say. And in fact, I don't agreeing with me is not the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's basically uh, goes back to a premise in medicine where the questions say the same and the answers change every five years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen a huge evolution in medicine since the pandemic. You know, we've gone through everyone, like everything humming along and going perfectly, we get this huge disruption with the pandemic. And now we're dealing with completely different problems that we didn't have five or 10 years ago. And I think my basis behind the the book and my like plea to all of physicians is that we are the solution. You know, mm-hmm. we do not need to wait for someone else to save us. I know, you know, Dr. Uno, with the Andre MD, uh, I've always been a fan of hers. You know, she is, is, always saying like the Calvary is not coming. We are the Calvary. And, you know, I totally uh, resonate with that message. And that really spoke to what I wanted to do too, which is basically just a rallying cry. You know, I want everyone to kind of stand up and and claim their ownership of their career and what they want. And for us to be the change, because I think we're in a paradigm shift in medicine. And if we are not part of that change, then what's going to happen is that people are going to be making solutions for us and if we're not part of that, you know, we're not going to have a say in what those solutions are. Absolutely. And and I think what you just described essentially is the rebel physician manifesto, you know, like this is it, like we need to take control of the situation. And I think that for someone who is still in the thick of it and is, you know, really struggling, then that can feel like a, like, why are you adding this more of a burden to me? Like, why don't another problem I have to take care of? But what I think, and I think you would agree with me is that it's, it's not like you have to solve the problem yourself. You're not like you as an individual are not responsible for changing the landscape of medicine. That's going to take a rebellion, revolution, right? However, what you can do is what you and I have done, which is stand up and create your version of a rebellion and tell other people about it. And it creates a ripple effect, right? So it's not like when you're, if you're drowning in, in your job, that you, now you have this other job of changing medicine. No, this is about, let's, you take a stand in your life, however that looks for you and create something that you really love. Um, I want to go back. I have a, so I have wrote down some questions as you were telling your story. Um, you said you, you touched on a point that I want to talk about a little bit more. And you said, I liked my job <laughs> and I, I, so I work with so many doctors who have the same thing. Like my job is fine. 
It could be worse, right? It's okay. And that's keeps people stuck. It's oh, like yeah. leaving a terrible job is easy. Yeah. Leaving a terrible and, job is the easiest thing you'll possibly do because it's you know completely justified. And everyone's like, why didn't you leave sooner? Yeah. But you know, when you do like exactly what you described, like in your rebel physician journey of saying, like, on paper, this sounded really like I no one really understood it. But really, that's what it is, is that you know, when we listen to ourselves, then the good job is not good enough anymore. Right. Right. And it's like, why are we limiting ourselves to a job that's fine? And so many of us think that we should be grateful for that job. That's fine. You know, and oh, what if we can't find something better and all of these things? So I want to know if you can, you can describe like, how did you get from my job was fine to I quit? (laughs) Like what was, what happened in there? (laughs) No, it's, that's a really great question because, you know, I still look back and I'm like, gosh, how on earth did I come up with that? Yeah. <laughs> so I discovered coaching at the time. And so I discovered mind work. It started with Katrina Ubell's podcast on um, weight loss for busy physicians, which showed me that, you know, thoughts and emotions are what lead to our actions, you know, and as surgeons, we're like the circumstance and then we just act on it, you know, mm-hmm. and to have this, this inherent choice that we have in the matter that there is a lot more to a lot of our actions that, you know, we can do the same actions and come up with different results because they're driven by different things. Um, I started to realize a little bit of potential for changing, you know, maybe because initially I did not plan to leave. I was like, I'll just, I'll make this good job better. You know, this typical surgeon persona of saying, well, I'll just fix it, you know? And so I went about the, the, trying to fix it. You know, I worked on my mind. I got coaching. I, um, you know, some of the things that I found intolerable, I realized I was having some effect on, and I'll I'll give you an example, like in the clinic, I didn't realize that my um, wanting to do everything and understand and having like the hands and all the things um, was disempowering some of the people in the clinic, you know, so if I knew everything and I was doing everything and I was asking for their help, but not really expecting their help, you know, I was not really allowing them any room to get better at what they were doing. And so I was not actually contributing to them having a better experience at the job. You know, my failure to delegate some things and overcome the challenges of delegating, which is a challenge. I mean, it takes some effort to do that, but my doing everything was not allowing other people to get better. And so I I was creating the environment where they were not going to be happy. So I started realizing like some of the things that I could do. So I thought, well, I'll just try some of these things and see if it works. And and by that time though, you know, I'd kind of built up a lot of annoyance and, you know, resentment and it was probably on both sides and it just wasn't, you know, I tried to make some changes and eventually said, you know, look, I think maybe what if we has a shift in personnel, you know, I tried to get a nurse hired and they said no. And, and I, and I started realizing like, I'm not actually like able to control my environment here. And that for me was intolerable. So when I tried um, and I, I saw the, you know, again, I was going to be complaining of the same things. That's when I decided as like, I unconsciously decided that this was the it. And I think had it not been for in this meeting with one of the administrators, had he not like directly challenged me and said, like, so does this mean you're, you're, you're not going to renew or does this mean you're quitting? And I was like, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And it was that moment. That was the first time that I actually said it out loud. I mean, I think that the Mm -hmm. thoughts were certainly there and I didn't really have a lot of plans afterwards, but clearly I did because as soon as I said the words out loud into the world, 
it became very obvious that that was the exact solution. And I remember feeling like I was tethered and like in those words, I clipped that tether and I was all of a sudden like launched into freedom. And I had no idea what it was going to do, but it didn't feel like a problem in that moment. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I allowed myself to feel a little free, then all of a sudden I was able to kind of come up with a list. Okay, well, I'm going to go. I think I actually like got in the car and drove around. It's like, okay, where, where am I going to take up shop? And where, you know, it was an immediate thing, which tells me that our subconscious is already kind of creating the solutions for us. And, you know, already is like making all these plans and tells us eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Eventually it becomes really clear. I, I literally got chills, like full body goosebumps when you said that freedom thing, because, and the untethered, because I felt exactly the same. And that freedom is available to every single physician. And it's just that we get so caught up in the what ifs and the fears that it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's a possibility. So do you have any, like, cause for me, I felt this grounding freedom. Like I knew this was the right choice. And I also had all of the fears come up and did you have that same experience where you'd had, you know, maybe fear of judgment or fear that it wouldn't work out or did what fears came up for you? And if you had them, like, how did you navigate that in this in between? Yeah, that's great. Cause um, I, let's see what fears did come up. Cause you know, over the years, different fears have come up like the fear at first um, first was a little bit of overwhelm. How am I going to do it? And you know, the, the one way I overcame it was um, another thing was about money. Like how am I, I was the sole, I'm the sole breadwinner. And I realized it's like, well, I mean, when I looked at the finances, like the fear was because of a, a fear, like not really spelled out. Yeah. So when you look at the, the money fear, I was like, I looked at our account, I looked at all the things or expenses and stuff. And I was like, telling myself the reality of the situation, which is the reality is I could have like not worked for a year and we could have mm-hmm. covered our expenses. So. I think a lot of times the fear is from us not looking at details. And I have people too um, that come to me and say, I can't leave this job or, or, you know, um, uh, my volume is low. And I was like, what is your volume? And they have no idea. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's the fear that we're not doing enough or don't have enough. That scarcity idea is what keeps us in fear when the solution to that is just simply to answer the question. Am I going to have the money Mm -hmm. to survive? Do I know what to do? And you start to realize that these fears are coming from unanswered questions. So then you unearth the questions and then you answer them. And then all of a sudden the fear is gone. Yeah. That's been my experience as well, is that we have all of these thoughts like, Oh, um, I won't be able to, I won't be able to make ends meet or I won't be able to find another job or this thing will happen. And that thing will happen. And we go get so caught up in the spiral in our head that we don't bring it back down to reality and say, and question it, like question the fear. Is that true? And, um, that can be, that's a, such a powerful thing to say, like, is it true that that's, and then I think for many people, when they do that and they look at it, like, oh, well, actually (laughs) I have way more options than I thought. It's just that we get so caught up in the anxiety and the, the, the uncertainty, how uncomfortable that is feels so overwhelming that instead of addressing it and finding the answer and the reality, we just say, Oh, I'm going to shut that chapter right back. I can't even deal with that feeling of uncertainty because my life is imploding at work. So never mind. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so I would love to hear 
maybe a couple of pieces of advice. I know where it's already time is flying by, but yeah. for someone who who's in that position, maybe it's they've heard that they know that there's something there. They need to take the next step. They don't feel quite ready. Like, are there some lessons that you typically teach people that are in your book or what are some thoughts that come up most of the time for you that you could share with my audience? Yeah, I think the one universal advice, and it does not matter where you're at in your career, you have to start creating time for yourself. You know, the, the and we've talked about this before. Uh, I mean, I wrote an article called Physicians Need Growth Days for Kevin MD. And the ability to stop the treadmill, because we cannot answer the questions that we have internally if we are serving other people. You know, we have to acknowledge the fact that we have to spend some time serving ourselves. And to serve ourselves is creating space where that is possible. And, you know, until we do that, we're never going to know what we want. And that's true even now. I mean, each evolution of the private practice has created different challenges that kind of suck up all my time. And I have to be on myself to still create these pockets of time to where I can pause and reflect. And, you know, you're the rebel physician. I think the whole idea, the whole premise behind that is that we know what's right. We know what we need. We don't actually have to ask anybody else, but we do have to create a space to where we can answer this for ourselves, to where we can hear ourselves. Because that's one thing that I know you and I um, trained at the same place for coaching. We know the right answer for us. We sometimes need other people to help show us that right answer that, you know, for me as a coach, I don't tell people what to do. I help them see their desires that are hidden behind all of the obligations and the worry and the fears. And when I help them uncover these obstacles, we start to realize this is what I really want. Mm -hmm. And we cannot do that without time or in space for ourselves. And sometimes I think a lot of us, and I still get coaching every week, you know, we still need a guide to help us because we're very good at suppressing what we really want. I mean, it's like, I talk about all the time, like a tea kettle. I mean, like the pressure builds up and it'll blow out somewhere, but you know, the ability to do this before it gets to that point is a skill that we've never been taught. And we certainly don't give ourselves the space to learn it. That's so true. I love that advice. And I think that if a growth, like if a day feels overwhelming, then I think I would start with like, can you find an hour? Can you find 30 minutes and then build up from there? Totally. And sometimes like my growth days have evolved over time too. You know, when I first started them, I wouldn't even put them on the calendar because I didn't trust myself to not fill it with crap. Mm. (laughs) So it was sort of a sudden thing. And so, and then a lot of the growth days were not even doing anything for myself. It was simply to catch up. You know, it's like, I could not think until I cleared some space. And so then I started, you know, moving a little bit more in control of it saying, okay, I've got notes to do. And I'm only going to do them for this time. Or at first I said, how long is it going to take? And I would do a note and say like, okay, this note takes me this much time, you know, dealing with a new breast cancer, like note takes me this much time. And I started realizing the realistic thing of how long things take. Um, So first it was giving space to breathe. Second was, you know, figuring out what I was dealing with, which is what is the actual obligation of things that I have. And then the third is starting, you know, make choices about what I am not going to do. Like once I started facing the reality of time and space and effort, um, and then the, the evolution after that was just, you know, planning ahead, like, what am I going to do and what am I going to spend? And so now I have administrative days every Wednesday and that allows me space, but still there, the tendency to fill that with stuff still there. 
had a yeah. weekly fight. Weekly. <laughs> But you're on your own side, which is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm onto myself a lot faster than I was before. Yeah. You know, before I didn't know what the problem was. I just knew the solution. And so now I, I still know what the solution is, but I still now have to work on the problem. <laughs> so. It's an evolution, right? Exactly. I love that advice. Well, where can people find you? And you said, so the book is on Amazon. Is that the best place to find the book? Yes. I mean, probably the easiest place um, is to find it at, at uh, bosssurgery.com because okay. I'll give you the link to the Amazon. Um, you don't have to worry about how to spell my name or what the book title is. <laughs> so bosssurgery.com will also give you the link to the podcast and also the book um, and other ways because um, I have a group and individual coaching. There's a way to reach me as well. Awesome. And they can find all that through bosssurgery.com. Correct. I'll leave a link in that episode for today. That's great. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. It was um, amazing talking to you. Same here. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate the honor. Hey there. Just wanted to take some quick time here to let you know that if you have been thinking about doing a podcast and it feels really overwhelming and you like the idea of podcasting, but the other stuff like the editing and production feels too overwhelming, I wanted to let you know about the people who now edit and produce my podcast, which is Pretty Easy Podcasts. And for the first year and a half of my podcast, I was doing everything myself and I had tried to contract out editing and it was really got some really, really bad results. So I was hesitant to try again, but I'm so glad that I did because working with Pretty Easy Podcasts has been so amazing. They can get your shows recorded, posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. You could record from home, your office or the park or really anywhere. And then they totally cater to your schedule and It's just so easy to work with them. I cannot say enough good things. So if it's been on your mind to do a podcast, then definitely check out Pretty Easy Podcast at prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. It's super affordable and it's so fun working with them. So definitely check it out. Hey there. Just wanted to take some quick time here to let you know that if you have been thinking about doing a podcast and it feels really overwhelming and you like the idea of podcasting, but the other stuff like the editing and production feels too overwhelming, I wanted to let you know about the people who now edit and produce my podcast, which is Pretty Easy Podcasts. And for the first year and a half of my podcast, I was doing everything myself and I had tried to contract out editing and it was really got some really, really bad results. So I was hesitant to try again, but I'm so glad that I did because working with Pretty Easy Podcasts has been so amazing. They can get your shows recorded, posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. You could record from home, your office or the park or really anywhere. And then they totally cater to your schedule and It's just so easy to work with them. I cannot say enough good things. So if it's been on your mind to do a podcast, then definitely check out Pretty Easy Podcast at prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. It's super affordable and it's so fun working with them. So definitely check it out. (music) 